this is going to be a little bit interesting because my iPad saved the wrong file. So I do not have my sermon today. <laughs> but I'm going to start um, by sharing with you um, a little bit of my experience um, growing up. I do not have a lot of um, memories, good memories in particular, <laughs> growing up. Um, but I do have one that really stands out. What you know, I, I remember milking cows, and I remember um, I have a lot of memories of using a wheelbarrow to haul manure every morning and every evening after we milked the cows. And I remember summers um, picking up and stacking thousands upon thousands of square alfalfa bales. That's pretty much the extent to my childhood memories. <laughs> but there was one Sunday where um, I specifically remember um, Dad decided... And I was supposed, I suppose I was about 14 years of age, but dad decided that he was going to take us fishing on a Sunday afternoon. And that was kind of interesting because I didn't know the man even knew anything about fishing at all. He did. We just had never seen it. And um, we certainly knew nothing about fishing whatsoever. And so um, we went, and we went to Lake Amston, which was not very far away. It was within 20 miles of our farm. And I had only been there one time before on a church outing. But um, we went to Lake Amston, and there weren't a whole lot of people around. But we, Dad had gotten some fishing poles gathered up, and we went fishing, and we um, you know, got some bait on our uh, fishing lines and, and learned to cast somewhat. And uh, we went fishing. The only thing we got at Lake Amston, which was about, from what I hear from t uh, having talked to other people, about the only thing in that lake was catfish. <laughs> and they were pretty small, the ones we caught, and we didn't really save anything or take anything back home. It was pretty much catch and release. But it was an exciting day because we did something as a family that wasn't milking cows, or hauling square bales, or hauling manure. <laughs> so um, I remember that day, and I remember also the fact that you know we were there for a little bit less than two hours, and that was about Dad's. That was really pushing Dad's patience level at that point, and so and it was time to get back home and milk cows so we could get back to church Sunday night. And so anyway, um, we did that. We went through all that, and that was the only uh, time that I went fishing growing up my whole life. Then, um, while I was at college, we lost our farm, and um, I won't go into that whole story, but we lost the farm. Dad bought a gas station, and eventually the EPA came in with all their regulations and closed it down, and Dad was left with a shop that he didn't know what to do with. And so he turned it into a bait and tackle store. And uh, he did really well at that. He was really super great with just talking to people and, and social skills and all of that with, with adults he was great with. And he just loved running that bait and tackle shop. 
and people from all over would come to him, uh, not so much just to buy bait and tackle, but just to be able to talk to, to dad. Um, so anyway, they, they would come from all over, and one would have thought that in those years I would have you know, gone fishing or that kind of stuff a lot with him, um, but we didn't do much of that. And, um, but one time uh, when our kids were pretty young, I don't think Rachel got to go on that, and I don't even know, I'm almost hoping that Caleb and Kelby don't even remember it. But, but anyway, one time when they were real little, um, when we first were up here, uh, we went back home and dad decided that he was going to take us fishing and he'd bought a boat and he, he'd become pretty much an expert fisher. And uh, he was good at catching all kinds of fish. Mom had gotten really good at cleaning them and uh, all of that. And we were going to go out on his boat. Well, my dad, um, for all of his great social skills with people, and especially men, had zero skills with children. And zero tolerance and patience and all of that. And I, I was a little bit surprised. I knew I was going to get to go, but I was a little bit surprised that he was willing to take Kelby and Caleb. <laughs> but he did. And we went out on the boat, and, and I, I think we lasted about 45 minutes. But when we got out into the middle of the lake, and it was a big lake we went to this time because Dad had really you know, moved up and, uh, in the world and all of that, and I, I was just scared because we we're getting out there pretty far, and I was, wasn't scared of the water, but I was just scared that the further it took to get out there, it was going to take us that long to get back, and could Dad hold himself together that long with, with Caleb and Kelby? And he didn't. <laughs> and and I, I just kept telling, Dad, we need to get going back. We need to get back. <laughs> And by the, I was just praying, and I was just so happy when we finally got back to shore, and I still had two young boys that were still alive, and <laughs> because he totally lost patience with them out there, you know, they just, you know, they weren't learning things fast enough, and they didn't have enough patience to, you know, hold the line steady, and they weren't always quiet, and all that kind of stuff you have to know when you're fishing. Um, but anyway... Those are my two experiences fishing in life. Well, Jesus loved fishermen. And it's interesting that he did because um, the first two disciples he called were fishermen. And the next two were. And as far as we know, there were probably seven of the, seven of the 12 disciples who were fishermen. That's a pretty astounding amount, percentage-wise, of disciples who were professional fishermen who just spent their life fishing. And Jesus had gotten acquainted with them. He'd been around them, this and that and something. And one day Jesus walks down to two guys that he'd gotten to know and, um, and he talks to them. And here's the scripture from Matthew chapter 4. Not Matthew chapter 4. Where is it? Yeah, Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Now, it's interesting, as you walk through that passage, Jesus is, you know, down there by the Sea of Galilee, walking beside it, and he sees these two brothers, Simon, uh, who, who, you know, we call Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they're casting their net, their big net, on one side of the boat um, to draw in some fish. And uh, Jesus calls out to them, and he says, Come Follow me. Now, one of the first things that you and I need to recognize about being a follower of Jesus or being a disciple is that Jesus wants us to know that Christianity is primarily about one relationship, and that is following Jesus. You and I can get so caught up in... um, thinking that it's all about just obeying a certain set of rules or having a moral code and all of that. And it involves all of that. But the primary thing that you and I need to focus on in following, uh, becoming a Christian, being a disciple, is that the primary responsibility of our life is just to follow Jesus. Wherever he goes, whatever he would do, that's what he wants. And so Jesus says to these disciples, he doesn't, invite them to become a Christian like a lot of times we do in the church. He just says to them, come and follow me. And then he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men, as the, as the King James says. And so they get up and they leave their nets and they follow him. Um, now, one of the other things that you see in this text is the discipleship is about community. If you and I are really going to grow in our faith, we are not going to do it very effectively by ourselves. Jesus, when he was making a disciple, he invited them, come, follow me, and I will make you plural, all of you fishers of men. That's why you're here this morning is because the best way for you to grow spiritually is not to grow by yourself. You will grow spiritually the best when you are put together with other people who don't always think just like you do, who do not always read the scripture the same way you do and get the same meat out of it that you do. And we rub shoulders with each other and we have conflicts and personality traits and all those kind of things that are different from each other. And when we come together, all of us intending to follow him, that's when we really start to grow as disciples. When we can get along and and respect one another and respect our differences and all of that. Then one of the other things that you see here is that when Jesus starts to change the world, the very first thing he does is call disciples. It's the first thing. There might have been some other things if I had been the Messiah that had come to earth that I might have tried to do first, but I would have been wrong. 
The first thing Jesus does is he goes down by the lake. He's been building relationships and he goes down to the lake and he calls these fishermen to follow him. If you and I are really ever going to make a difference, we will make that difference by impacting other people and asking them to go along with us on our journey. There is too much that I do as a pastor that I do alone. There is too much stuff that you do as a Christian that you do alone. God wants us to do things with other people to train them, to have them follow us, to have them mentored, discipled, and watch us do and then help us do and then for them to be set free to do it and to do it with other people. What things do you do as a Christian that you're doing all by yourself and you're not taking anyone else along with you? God wants you to be like Jesus. Part of following Jesus is to do things like Jesus did. And one of the things that Jesus did is you see Jesus doing almost nothing by himself. Jesus, he went alone to pray. And that is about the only time you find where the scriptures say that Jesus went by himself is when he went to pray. In fact, when the disciples wanted to learn to pray, they had to say to Jesus, come teach us how to pray. (laughs) Because they hadn't been with him that much when he was praying because he was off by himself. But everything else, Jesus did with other people. There are some things you're doing today all by yourself that you need to grab a young person or you need to grab someone else and you need to take them along with you And do it with them. So they can do it tomorrow. And they can do it with someone else tomorrow. And then going on from there, he saw two... uh, No, back up please. Um, Going on from there, he saw two of his other brothers, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were also fishers, fishermen. And so they're in their boat, and they're preparing their nets. Now, one of the things that I understand about nets uh, that I've been told is that fish have a, a very high, highly sensitive sense of smell. And so if you didn't prepare your nets, if you didn't wash your nets, when fish get caught in a net, they, put, they, they have adrenaline and stress just like you and I get in sometimes, and they will put off a certain smell. Because they're trapped and they're caught. We probably do the same thing too. I don't know. <laughs> but, but because these fish are caught and they're trapped, they put off a certain smell and that gets stuck on the nets. And so if you don't clean your nets and prepare them, when you go to put that down in the net, the fish will come to it, they'll smell that and they'll swim away. And so these two guys are out there and they're preparing and they're washing, they're cleaning their nets, uh, getting them ready to catch fish. And Jesus comes and he calls them to, uh, to come follow him. And immediately they left their boat, they left their father, and they followed him. Now, 
Preparing their nets. That's something that every one of us need to do. Because there are things about us that are not good bait for drawing other people. There are things about each one of us, and for each one of us is something different, but every one of us have some things about us that kind of put people off. <laughs> they look at that, or they smell that, or this or that, or something else, and they look at us and they say, I think I'll swim away from that. <laughs> so we need to clean our nets. We need to take care of those things in our lives that kind of keep people from wanting to become a disciple, to keep people that, uh, from wanting to follow Jesus. And then I want you to notice that in both of these cases, they left something to follow Jesus. And one of the things that, you know, this is just pure, simple discipleship, but if we're really going to follow Jesus, it's going to mean that we have to leave some things behind you know, for, for the first two, they left their nets and they followed him. The second two up here, they left their father, left their boat, and they left their father, and they just went and followed Jesus. But the best thing you can do with your life, the very best thing you can do with your life is give it to Jesus and trust that whatever he's going to do with your life is going to be better than any plan you had. And I believe that. I believe that whatever plan Jesus has for my life is better than any plan that I could ever uh, concoct on my own. Now, it's interesting that Jesus had taken these four, and we think probably three more. Three, we think probably seven out of the 12 disciples were, had been professional um, fishermen. And Jesus takes them and he, he says to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to take you from just fishing for fish and I want you to fish and reach other people for me. They go through the next two and a half, three years following Jesus around, watching how he does ministry, watching all of these things, getting their hopes up that Jesus is going to be this great Messiah and then it all comes crashing down to an end. And in that end, they watch Jesus as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this time he invites them to pray with him and they can't. <laughs> they fall asleep. And he comes back several times and finally gives up and says, let's go. It's, you know, the betrayer is here. And he, and he goes and they watch him in the trial. They watch him whipped. They watch the crown of thorns put on him. They watch him as he drag a cross up to Golgotha. They watch him as he's crucified. And they watch him as, the, as he's taken away by Joseph of Arimathea and put in the tomb. And everything that they had lived for, this man that they gave up their lives to follow and to become a fisher of men for, it just looked like it was completely all over. And that's when we come to John. Uh, let's go to that quote, John, that I completely missed um, there. Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. Evangelicalism has failed Christ, the church, and the world because it wants only to believe and receive the benefits of belief. In other words, 
as you know, as Wesleyans, we're evangelicals. We just basically want everyone to believe, and we're pretty happy with that and content with that. But he says we are called to believe and to follow Christ. To follow is to carry a cross. By our failure to carry our cross, we have contributed to a me generation through our selfish religion, where everything is just about praying the sinner's prayer, and I get to go to heaven, and I'll, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. So just keep that in mind that you know discipleship means that we have to give up some things. It might be the boat, it might be the net, it might be our father, whatever it is, but we need to commit ourselves to following Jesus. And then we come to the passage in John. John chapter 21, after the crucifixion, and these guys have heard rumors of the resurrection, but that's all they've heard. And they are still at this point where they've just, they have no hope. Afterwards, Jesus appears to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Once again, he had told them to go back to the Sea of Galilee, and that is where Jesus had called them to become disciples. He sends them back to the Sea of Galilee from Jerusalem. It's quite a little trip, but they make it. They walk to the Sea of Galilee, and when they get there, they're, they're busy fishing. And it happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, uh, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, they were all together. And Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And they said... The other said, yeah, we'll go along with you. We have nothing else to do. You know, Jesus isn't here. We can't follow him. Why make fish of people? (laughs) You know, there isn't anything left. And so they went out and they got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. They caught absolutely, these professional fishermen who were very good at catching fish caught nothing. Nothing. We go on. The next morning, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know who it was. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, if you go back to Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 through 11, there's a story there that gives you some background into when Peter really decided he wanted to become a disciple. And that was when he had been fishing all night before without catching any fish. And then they pulled the net in and they actually broke the net because there were so many fish. And it was at that point that Peter says he recognized that Jesus was more than just a common rabbi to follow, and he wanted to follow Jesus. And so Jesus goes back and goes right back to the place where Peter felt called, where Peter felt, yes, I want to be a disciple of this man. I want to follow this man around. And he puts him in that same situation. I think, he, you know, Jesus is underwater just keeping all the fish away. <laughs> and he's out there fishing and he's going all night long. And there's, they haven't caught any fish, not even those that you catch and release. <laughs> they haven't caught anything. 
And Jesus stands on the shore and he says to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. This time they didn't break the nets. But it was such a large amount that those, they could not haul the net in. They couldn't bring it in and dump it in the boat. Going on, John. The disciple whom Jesus loved, which would have been John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full for full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now that's kind of interesting. You look at that text. Then the disciple whom Jesus said, hey, that's the Lord. John, the beloved, recognized Jesus, said, that's the Lord. They should have probably seen that as soon as the net was full. <laughs> should have recognized that. But John recognized and John said, it's the Lord. And Peter instantly put it all together. He remembered Luke 5, 1 through 11. He remembered his call while he was a fisher to be a fisher of men. He remembered how Jesus had filled the net when it had been empty all night before And he sees this and he says, yes, that is the Lord. And even though I was the one that denied him, Jesus has come back after me. (laughs) And you know how the story goes on in John chapter 21, how Jesus reinstates him by saying, feed my sheep. And he goes from the fish analogy to the sheep analogy and all of that. But right here is the introduction to that whole restoration of Peter who had been so discouraged, who had felt like he had failed Christ and everything. And and Jesus fills that net. And Peter, who, you know, in those days, the fishing was such hard work. And so they would strip down their outer coats to basically their underwear and all of that. And and they would work hard and sweat a lot uh, as they were out there on the boat and all of that. Peter puts on his outer garment and jumps in and just takes off for the shore, leaving the other six disciples to pull the boat, row the boat to shore with all those fish and get it in there. And Jesus has helped Peter come full circle. Peter has realized that, yes, indeed, life is about following Jesus. And life is about helping other people find Jesus and follow him also. It says here, uh, or is it in the next passage? Is there another passage, John? Yeah. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of fish, a hundred and fifty Now, 153 seems like a strange number for us, but that was a significant Jewish number. That number was the number in Jewish terminology and symbolism that represented, it basically said to the four corners of the earth, all around the world. I don't know if, if in that day Jews believed that there were 153 nations or what it was, but that number basically said, You know, here's fish from every nation of the earth. 
And God was saying to Peter, come follow me and I will make you fishers for men in every corner of the earth. Here in McKenzie County, in Africa, in Haiti, in Croatia, God is interested in using you and I to make followers of Jesus wherever we go, anywhere on the face of the earth. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. That's a wonderful passage. But the point of it is this. Jesus wants you and I to make that two decisions with our life. He wants us to do more than just come to believe in him. He wants us to follow him. And then he wants us to work in our lives in such a way that we create other followers of Jesus. To do it with other people, to live our lives with other people, to be in community with other people, to be mentoring, discipling, and making other followers of Jesus. Jesus. 